You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, as host, as always, your host, Jeff Lloyd, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, guys, it's been a big week here as we uh, hit March, obviously, with the combine inning. Uh, you know, the draft stuff is obviously still fresh in everybody's mind. Um, we're going to into free agency next week, the trade window, the league calendar year starts. So obviously a lot of lot going on here, and we'll see how much uh, your Cleveland Browns do play in all this. When you get into the car, start it up, buckle up that seatbelt, say play Locked On Browns podcast, have your car stereo do the work for you, and play the latest episode of the show. Uh, before he goes away for a little coaching clinic, and the coach has got to get coached up, Pete Smith in here for one uh, before we hit the weekend, um, we decided we'll do the mailbag. we got a bunch of great stuff here uh, from all you guys. And obviously, guys, uh, if you've been following along, you can read all of Pete's stuff over at NFL Spin Zone as we put out a fresh mock draft today. Our boy, Justin Lane, seems to be a legitimate candidate for a top 20 selection. Um, kudos to both of us on that one. Uh, young guy, uh, you know, obviously still, still some refinement to come along with Justin Lane. But obviously, it, it's, it's an interesting one. There, here's a guy that Pete and I are both extremely high on. Um, Pete, uh, I guess you got to start it here because it's, you know, it's been the chatter. Um, if it ever amasses to something, who knows? Um, eventually we'll get somebody, uh, you know, an Adam Sandler, somebody will put out an official, I mean, Adam Sandler, that was a good one, Adam Schefter. It'd be great if Adam Sandler was out giving NFL talk though, wouldn't it, Pete? That'd be pretty good. Um, but we'll get an official one way or the other, but, uh, you know, Odell, the thought of it, and me and you, look, we, and this is one thing, guys, and I've gotten a lot of tweets on this. The reason I'm so adamant against it is, and I know Pete's in the same boat, because you you hear a guy like Odell Beckham, you know, could be had in a trade right off the bat. Two first-round picks, Pete. There's no doubt about it. But if there's a way to maneuver it where it isn't two first-round picks, that you know, I'm listening, so to speak. Right. Um, look, there's no question the talent. He's a legit phenom receiver. Um, the issues are he has missed basically half of the last two seasons. Uh, there's some questions with the off-field. Well, the um, problem in 17 is the same problem that's going to be there in 19. <laughs> the quarterback hung him out on a slant and broke his ankle. But you could understand why a guy like him is frustrated in where, if you're an athlete, should be a mecca of places to play and make money. If the Giants are going to continue to roll out Eli Manning, I'd imagine every skill position player besides Saquon Barkley is aggravated. It's hurting their value. Well, sure, but the the, the problem you run into is, is is you give that guy ninety million dollars or however I think guaranteed is like at least forty five, and it's like in a couple yep. of years that. That guy, the guy you're paying that much money to, is also throwing fits on the sideline and doing this, that, and the other. And Pat Shermer's having to basically console him during uh, possessions and that stuff. It, it, you know, that stuff makes you wonder. The flip side is, you know, he does instantly advance you in terms of where you're going. Uh, you know, the, it's fair to say the Browns are. Uh, expected to make the playoffs uh, almost regardless of what they do, short of like a catastrophic injury of some sort. That's the expectation. I, I think, you know, if Beckham's there, you know, not only getting the playoffs, but I think at that point, if you don't win a playoff game of some sort, then people are going to call it a failure. But 
when it comes to giving away two first round picks, it's it's not just the fact that it's picks; it's the fact that it's that part of your team is just so invested at that point. So, God forbid you do have something happen, and you know a player gets injured, and you don't do well, then then you know a pick that should be in the high twenties. Uh, is now in the teens again. You're giving two teens up and that stuff. But if you're in a situation where it can be some combination of uh, picks and potentially players, and and I don't rule out the possibility that the Giants are asking for players or would be interested in players just because they need bodies. Um, But if you can sort of spread the cost over around your team – in that you're not so heavily invested in terms of draft assets or players. That's the other thing. You can't. You don't want to go the other way where you give away too much talent to get him. Then you know you, you end up hurting yourself in, in, in an attempt to get better, and you worry that you end up uh, putting way too many eggs in one basket. So you know if he runs into a situation where he's dealing with, you know a quad or whatever. And, and maybe some of that was, well, this team's not going anywhere. You know, I'm not really trying my hardest to get back, which would be its own concern. But, you know, if something happens, something bad happens, like he has an injury like that. And then all these investments are now on the sideline or, or, you know, watching the games. And that's stuff that worries you in addition to the financial cost, uh, you know, the rumor that it basically ends up being, you know, a high pick, uh, and a mid-round pick, and you know, spread over the cost of two years and a couple of players that the Browns are, are are seemingly built to deal with. In this case, Zeitler. They drafted Austin Corbett, uh, which you know, let's be honest, all these people are, are complaining. Oh, this is a wasted pick. Suddenly, if Zeitler's gone, you're going to feel real good about having having Austin Corbett around. Um, that at that point. It looks great, and and the framework that was put out there does look great, and and in some ways maybe that's the problem. It does look perhaps too good to be true. At the same time, the Giants are a terrible uh, organization right now, and Dave Gettleman doesn't seem to know his, doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Uh, that they draft a running back second overall, and then the, the next move is to basically try to get rid of everything that has talent that's not nailed down, including theoretically in this case, the guy that they, uh, he just resigned, uh, to all that money. And what well, is funny, you know, from the giants wise, uh, you know, Landon Collins, uh, you know what, just go, it's okay. You know, you just let your best defensive player walk right out the door. Um, you know, the void of talent for the New York giants, there, there is no doubt about it. So, I mean, if it was, you know, that's great. You got two first round picks. Uh, you're still, you know, the picks are great, but you're still two years away from anything. Maybe if you can get something in there. Um, from the Odell standpoint, um, when you draft Saquon Barkley at two, what are you telling? What are you telling your skill players on your roster? You guys are good, but we just drafted a running back at two. Guess who's going to be the feature of this offense? The guy we just drafted at two. But meanwhile, you extended Odell and gave him a whole bunch of money. So it, there's mixed messages. Then there's the quarterback position. Um, look, you know, Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. You win two Super Bowls. That, that's the route you go. That's fine. Um, it doesn't mean he's 
maybe even a top 20 quarterback in this league right now. So if you're running with Eli Manning, you got to look around and say, well, even if this team was right, how far is this guy going to get us? Um, the Zeitler deal, putting Zeitler into a possible deal. Love Kevin Zeitler, obviously, guys. Um, great player. Does make a lot, you know, does make a good amount of money. But, you know, the way he played last year, earned it. Um, a guy like John Dorsey, John Dorsey does want to see his guy play. Um, I don't think he wants to have another year where Austin Corbett barely plays. Um, obviously, Austin Corbett, in his eyes, was a you know was a prime acquisition. He thought he was getting something really good where it was. And here, even if even if you plug in Austin Corbett, and if he becomes, and now this is the way front offices view things, he becomes seventy five percent. 80% of what Kevin Zeitler was, as opposed to what he's making, as opposed to the 12 plus million you're paying Kevin Zeitler, that's, you know, it, it's good business in that aspect. Um, I, you know, I do, the guys who gave, you know, leaked over the information to me about, you know, the, the possibility of this deal, it was a lot more in depth than big media is giving it to you. Um, I, I don't think John Dorsey was going to make a phone call and say, hey, Zeitler and Ogba, can I get Odell Beckham? He's been in the league forever. He's not going to waste everybody's time like that. So, you know, there's still draft picks involved. And this is the people who gave me this information. And the same people from the OBR that gave me the information. They told me the day, a couple hours, Jeff, Kareem Hunt, you better be ready. Because they knew what my stance was on Kareem Hunt. And guess what? I was sitting at 2 o'clock in, in pickup waiting for my daughter to get out of school. And the news dropped. Same day. They told on a Friday Andrew Barry was going to move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. The the news got to everybody else on a Monday. So, you know, even if they only go two out of three here, the source is worth listening to. But it is funny that the bigger media is trying to tell this story and trying to cut it out like it's a ha-ha Browns when we're talking about the New York Giants. And the New York Giants right now are an absolute freaking laughing stock, Pete. Right. Uh, you know, there's certain elements that just – don't seem to want to get over the fact that the Browns aren't bad uh, and are in a good position to improve. While the Giants look like you know a dumpster fire, but when you're owned by the when you're owned by the Maras, which are one of the most you know the great loved, uncles of the NFL, <laughs> yeah, the, one of the most loved uh, families uh, in ownership in the NFL. You know they're always inclined to give them a break. Uh, the other note with Zeitler is is and Zeitler was great. Um, is the other advantage, and John Dorsey has hinted at this, that the Browns may not be super aggressive in free agency, is if you were to move Kevin Zeitler in some way and you eat that money now, then you open that money up for next year. Uh, you basically go ahead and, and use this year's cap room, largely which is rollover cap, to basically eat – uh, the bonus money that would be involved there and get, get something for it. It's not cutting. That would be stupid. Just cutting him would be stupid. But if you're, if you're getting something you can actually use, in this case, Nodell Beckham, um, then you have the ad added benefit of wiping this off your books for the next year uh, to then be able to have more flexibility, be more aggressive, and maybe add what they would think that final piece is. The biggest problem that, that people don't, want to acknowledge here is the Giants don't need to move Odell Beckham. So unless they're stupid enough to basically put themselves in a position where they're, they are saying they need to get rid of him, then you have to give up enough where they're going to go, oh, 
you know, I have to look into this or I have to be interested in this. And that's generally not the position you want to be in when you're trying to trade for something, especially if you are probably one more year away from making a push that you potentially get in a situation where you end up giving up too many assets trying to chase something. Now, again, these are all rumors and you know, whatever will happen will happen or it won't. Um, the, my, my lasting thought on this was the framework they did. I'd love it. The flip side of that is I'm not going to hate keeping Ze- Kevin Zeitler around for another year. If that's no the other part of this, because you know, you, you, as much, and I like Austin Corbett, I think he will be a, a productive NFL player. Um, you know, that, that Betonio Treader, uh, Zeitler group is critical to, um, Baker Mayfield's success, and you know, if you do move on from Zeitler, Corbett has to be good. He can't be okay. He has to be good, um, and that there—that's another you know gamble you're making. Whether and I, you know, he's a hardworking guy and all this stuff. Uh, you know, I expect he'll he'll be effective. Uh, and then last, um, presumably, if this Zeitler thing is real. That would hopefully also mean that they're very happy with what they've gotten from J.C. Treader and that they're going to uh, move on to a point where – and they've obviously got a lot of things they're trying to sort out. But if they they are in a position where they view Corbin potentially as that starting right guard, uh, they don't have another center. They will obviously want to get somebody who can do that, but they're also going to want to talk contract extension with – with Treader, which would be, in my opinion, very good news. He, J.C. Treader, won people over in that front office last year. Um, you know, I to, I was talking with Jake Burns immediately after the Chargers game. He was in the press box, and he's like, "Man, this is gonna be rough because J.C. Treader is gonna be out a while." And guys, you heard Kevin Zeitler was on the show. I, I don't know if I could have done it. I mean, he literally showed up on Friday. You know, get, just got loose in a practice and was able to gut it out and play. And you know, injury is a thing with him, so you're going to need a guy, um, you know, just it, you know, because you know some of these guys injuries just find them. But J.C. Treader, obviously, um, you know, has won people over here. And if it's you know, you know, I, I can understand where you're getting to the point maybe where this offensive line starts to look really, really rich as far as money real quick, and maybe that causes you some hesitation. And if you can find a way to save some money, in this case, you're talking ten million, maybe almost eleven. Uh, you know, it, it's something any front office would look to do it does suck though guys obviously Kevin Zeitler huge fans um one question here related obviously to the Odell thing where would this stand with Rashard Higgins Pete uh you guys as as uh, you know as uh, if I said it I forgot I don't know we're doing some mailbag here I got a bunch of topics from you guys but Rashard Higgins uh I don't think this affects whether or not you want Rashard Higgins around one way whatsoever no, worst case scenario, you what I expect will be a second round tender. Then they sign him for a one year deal, which is three point one one million. Uh, it's more of a question of do they want him longer than that? Um, and and you can argue uh, one way or the other on that. I mean, on the one hand, Richard Higgins was fantastic uh, in terms of efficiency uh, and those type of things. He created a ton of separation. I don't remember who does the actually measures that stuff but he's supposedly a guy who had about two yards of separation on average uh which is excellent um and then you know how much of his success is him finally 
taking that big step forward? And how much is obviously Baker Mayfield is something you're going to have to ask yourself. Now the Browns may take the easy way out and basically say, look, $3.11 million is a cheap way to find out if what's really the answer here. Uh, the flip side of that is maybe they want to negotiate a long-term deal under the tender uh, and get them for like three years or four years uh, You know, at what they expect would be below market if he has another great year. I mean, look, in the, in, if they get an Odell Beckham, it's not the guys they like aren't the problem. It's and this this is regardless of Odell Beckham. This is what scheduled to happen. Jarvis Landry's gonna make fourteen point oh five million dollars this year. Is he give you fourteen point oh five million dollars of value? I'd love to see it, but you know, the indications thus far no. And then next year when when they don't have a ton of money, they dead money they would then have to pay him $14.55 million. That's a lot when you don't have to for a guy who's probably worth about five, maybe $6 million. And people will come back and go, well, they could restructure him. First, if, you're, if you're Jarvis Landry, you're going to want to keep $14.55 million. Uh, you're not going to be sitting there going – yeah, six is fine. I will give you up, you know, sixty percent of my contract uh, to to do right by you. The reality is, if 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 he gets out in the open market, somebody's going to give him a big contract again. It may not be, you know, it's not going to be that seventy five million dollar monstrosity, but he'll probably go somewhere and get like eight million dollars a year, maybe up to ten million dollars a year. There's always somebody who needs help that, you know. You look at what the Raiders did with with guys like uh, what's his face, the re- receiver they signed last year who did nothing for them from the Packers. They there's Jordy always Nelson. yeah Jordy Nelson. There's always a sucker out there in terms of receiver like that. He'll still be 28. He'll still be in his quote unquote prime that he'll be able to get into the contract. Like it doesn't. It never made sense that the idea is they were going to keep him longer than those two years. You're hoping he gave you more than you got from last year. Uh, the people who are saying, well, you know, he'll have another year of chemistry and all that stuff, and if they get a number one receiver, he'll be better. Maybe all that's true. Let's say it is, and you do get, you know, $14 million worth of receiving this year. That's great, but it's still not going to be practical to keep him longer than that. And in uh, Kevin Zeitler is the ultimate example of, of where a guy did give you $12 million worth of play last year, and he's still likely going to be – uh, a guy who's potentially moved on, whether it's now or after next year, you know, at, at some point, you know, you get into a position where you're, when you're making smart decisions on the salary cap, like the Philadelphia Eagles, who never have salary cap problems, but they always have choices. Well, they, they, they always have salary cap problems, and then about ten days later, it's like, all right, that's taken care of. <laughs> but but part of that is is they do have to make choices. They don't keep everybody. They let guys go. They have to make Smart decision. So when the Browns get into a situation where they're dealing with uh, uh, Joe Schobert, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, the, the next year could be Jabril Peppers and, and uh, David Njoku. This, you know, you still got Demarius Randall, you still got J.C. Trader, and then it's just going to balloon from there. These guys are not going to be cheap. A lot of the money that people think is out there is already spoken for. So if it's Zeitler now. That could be a way to give them additional cap next year. 
And then when they do move on from Jarvis Landry, they'll have that much more cap room this year. This is the, you know, this is why they're not keeping Jamie Collins. This is what teams do. Jamie Collins certainly makes the Browns better, but he's not eleven million dollars worth better. At some point, you've got to make those tough decisions, and and I can't see a scenario where Jarvis Landry is going to somehow convince the front office that he's going to be worth $14.5 million next year. And look, I mean, guys, this comes down to some simple things. Um, me, I love to eat. I will not go to a restaurant for a steak dinner. Uh, I have a grill. I can buy a quality steak. I can make it at home the exact way I want it to taste. So I, as opposed to paying, you know, twenty nine ninety five or whatever, um, I'll eat a damn good steak at home, and I'll eat it at home for you know ten, eleven bucks. It's not that I'm cheap. It's just that it, it was every now and then you it, everything had you know to use the Ted DiBiase, everything has its price, and you're we're gonna and if you guys remember the show we did with Rod Bloom, sometimes you end into these situations where it doesn't always make sense, but the business end of it does come into it, and you have to look at it that way iTunes, guys, uh, if you're listening over there, do me a favor. Go ahead, drop a quick five-star written review over there, guys. I uh, always appreciate it. always helps the show. Thank you. Now, Pete, here, here's kind of an easy one. Um, to, uh, you know, Obviously, you know, big, big Ohio State contingent. Um, Terry McLaren. Um, uh, yes, Terry McLaren is a, a rising wide receiver prospect, a little bit older. He is a damn good special teamer. Terry McLaren, Pete, draft-wise, where do we see it? He's a day three guy. It's just a question of where you're going to take him day three. I mean, he's a nice player. He's an overaged uh, special teams guy, and there's a place for that. And and I know he tested really well. Everybody in Ohio State uniform that's not Draymond Jones did. Um, And it's not – I think part of the reason people are are suggesting he could go higher is they simply don't know how many guys are in this draft that are good. So when you've got sort of a you know a lack of sense of just how big the draft class is, you basically think of all the names you know, and you're going, well, Terry McLaren's the next guy up or whatever. He could go in the you know third, fourth round or whatever it is. It's really hard to see that happening and. I, I I think he will I think he will find a way to 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 make a living in the league, but I, I have a hard time seeing it before like round five. The one thing, and this is what's going to come back to in front offices and things of that nature, is you know teams are going to say, all right, you know Terry McLaren, a great special teamer, uh, you know the wide receiving ability. Teams are going to say, well then then why was he never featured at Ohio State? You know, like, they're going to wonder why big schools never made him the dude. And, and that's going to hurt, you know, Terry McLaren. Obviously, you know, tested very well. We know about the special teams work. Uh, look good in Mobile. Obviously, a good combine. But teams are going to wonder, you know, why he was never asked to do more. And that is something that's going to affect. And I agree. Day three, I mean, look, I mean, if you're a good team, and, you know, and this would be good for Terry McLaren, if you were a good team and say you want to know what, we could use an extra wide receiver. We really need a punt gunner. That's all of a sudden, you know, like, like playoff teams look at that and say, wow, all right, he could be wide receiver three, wide receiver four, be that as it may. But we also get a gunner out of this deal. Obviously, that also means he can probably cover kickoffs as well. 
that becomes a good move. Um, you guys, when we did these shows over the summer, the summer, Jeff Janis, Jeff Janis, I didn't care about the fact he was a great special teamer. This team was void of talent. But when you are a playoff team and you have a couple of holes to fill and a guy brings extra ability, yes, that will help in that nature. McLaren, uh, you know, Browns-wise, I, I don't know if I see the fit. Let's see the way the rest of this offseason works I, out. I don't see it with the Browns. No. I just think they have too many of those guys. Look, Terry McLaren's going to turn 24 in the middle of April. We have, we have about five or six guys to play wide receiver four through six. Well, the, and the problem is he's going to be a 24-year-old guy who is the third receiver at Ohio State. At, like, 20, at 23. If he's not good enough, you know, and maybe at a different school he's a different dude. But at Ohio State, he had he was the third guy on a team that's not going to have, you know, maybe Paris Campbell is a guy who goes way higher than he should. But, you know, Terry McLaren's not beating out K.J. Hill. You know, maybe K.J. Hill's going to be a great prospect, but again, Terry McLaren's going to be competing against guys who are grown-ass men, uh, who are, you know, trying to pay a mortgage. It's 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 a different deal. I just don't see, you know, how betting on that is a smart play for, the, for a team like the Browns. I think it's going to be, you know, teams that can have the roster flexibility, that can really say he's going to be a special teams guy first, and then anything else we get from him, like a, as a fourth receiver, is is a bonus. Yeah, which screams day three. Just, I mean, that is what day three is all about. From Matthew DRC, uh from the UK, and guys, uh, all, all you who listen uh, over, you know, whether it's England, whether it's Ireland, wherever it is over there, I, I understand, and this is a good question relevant to you guys. How many primetime games... Do you think the Browns will have in 2019? And I understand your concern, guys, over there, as most of these games will end at 4.30, 5 a.m. in the morning. Uh, I'll say three. <laughs> as much as, you know, and, and it could be more than that. I'm just reminded of the last time uh, networks went super big on the Browns in primetime. The, the Browns laid a big, fat egg. So I think in an attempt to make that more exciting – and not, you know, put themselves in a position where, God forbid, the Browns aren't good or they do have a major problem that they're not going to be stuck with them, you know, on, on a on a big time game late in the season. So my guess is it'll be three, and I think a couple of those they may have one late in the year, but my guess is they'll be the two others will be early on in the year to make sure, just to ensure that they're going to have you know some juice in those early games. Well, you figure it right now. You know, most likely, they'll get a Thursday night game. Um, they are obviously you know good enough for that. Um, one thing that bodes well to, and I believe the over under was set at three for primetime games for the Browns. Um, Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. He's played very well. Miles Garrett was the number one overall pick the year before. These things, they're they're storylines that you push. The other thing is, is you know they you know you have to be ready to elevate other quarterbacks to the stage as your Philip Rivers is and your Ben Roethlisberger's and your Tom Brady's and your Eli Manning's and these guys all get older. You need to push other quarterbacks into these quote-unquote star realms where, you know, these are the guys that can be focused on. Um, you look at the schedule. Uh, you play the Rams next year. Could qualify as a primetime game. You play New England next year. Could qualify as a primetime game. Um, Baker is going to play some guys from his draft class, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. Um, 
he, we're gonna get one of those is gonna be the Ravens. I, I don't think there's there, any there's going to be there's going to be an interdivision game. There's no doubt about that. It, well, I, I'm sorry. There you go, Lamar Jackson. Yet another one. Um, yeah, I think that's gonna be one of those games. I think they love what they got out of that last year. I think they're gonna play that up. And then there is the whole possibility of what's going on in Arizona. If Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, which he now is, if Kyler Murray is now the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Freddie Kitchens started, you know, came to Cleveland from Arizona. That's how you build up a storyline for a primetime game. Uh, yeah, uh, guys, I'm going to tell you now. I mean, you know, it, it, it's going to be rough, and there's going to be some late night post game shows. Um, but yeah, uh, get used to it, guys. Uh, your normal one o'clock Sunday afternoon kickoffs. Uh, I wouldn't get too comfortable with that going into this season. It's just not looking like it's going to go that way. Yeah, I'm guessing Ravens. I'm guessing Ravens, Steelers, and one non-conference. I would say, you know, and, and, and some people, you know, want to say, oh, well, you know, week one, the Thursday night game against New England. I'll be honest with you. I'd rather I'd rather play New England week one than play them week 15, 16, or 17. They're an older team. Get it out of the way. Uh, they've been known to, as the years go on, start a little slow. If, if you want to catch them, catch them early because, you know, it, it, until they are officially dead, you're just going to assume the story is going to remain the same and they're going to close out November and in, in December the way they do every year. So you probably just want to go ahead and get that over with, whether it's an L or not, just go ahead and pound that sucker out quick and early. Uh, which wide receivers' combine results do not reflect on tape? Any guys with good physical traits who didn't produce in college, we might look at at day three, Pete didn't produce in college uh that's a good question uh let's see dog pound island congratulations that's a nice one well i mean paris campbell's the obvious one if you're if you're just talking purely from a this guy was a phenomenal athlete who didn't produce the way that you would expect that guy to produce and obviously i know he's younger and and there's and and he may I, i i like the cordero patterson comparison for him um, I it's like, nice that there's there's a guy where you can say, "Hey, there's a guy in the league who who this is already." And Campbell, I mean, ridiculous ultra athlete, he's going to go higher than he should. There's no doubt about and, it. And 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 I, I'm I'm not against the argument that he's a running back. I I think that's pretty dead on on in terms of that. Um, you can certainly make the case that DK Metcalf is in that realm that he's just never uh been that dominant like he's got all, nobody's surprised by his physical traits but it just hasn't produced to the level that you're expecting for that uh for for what he brings to the table it's not to say he wasn't a reasonably productive player it's just not to the level uh that uh, you would have expected. And the last one I'll mention is is uh, Darius Slayton from Auburn. Tested out of his mind. He's not somebody that, that really did a ton. He, he was okay. I mean, I, I mean, for the most part, it's not like there's a guy who came out and tested tested incredibly well who did nothing. Because on some level, you know, they had to – make sure they were getting, you know, they, they scout these guys ahead of time. For the, They have their own set of scouts. They find these guys ahead of time uh, working basically on a year, which is how you end up with some of these snubs, that they basically didn't account for them. But uh, Darius Slayton, you know, 
670 yards, 35 receptions. Uh, he he had a 4.39 uh, 40 at 190 pounds. Uh, n- nice looking player. You you gotta figure out if you really like what you see on, on, on tape with him to to make that bet. Again, none of these guys are bad players. They're just not as productive as as you'd like to the uh, you'd like them to be, given where you know uh, this draft class is, and ultimately what you want out of that position. Yeah, and, and with him, obviously with Slayton, you know, obviously some of it's Auburn the way they play. Um, I'll give one Miles Boykin. Uh, look, a phenomenal day. Um, I've watched some Miles Boykin this week. Uh, it's great that he's a phenomenal athlete. I don't know if it's ever going to translate into what its athleticism is. Um, and look, you can say Notre Dame, you know, the offense there and that stuff. That's fine. And it ain't the offense. It, it ain't the offense. <laughs> My, he can't hit the, no, I, look, he can catch in traffic. He can catch away from his body. He's got speed. He's great with the ball. The dude runs one, one, one route. Uh, anything that's not a slant, he runs the exact same goddamn way. He fires off the lead, outside release, tries to go arm under, box out with the shoulder, and then he gets what he can get. He's like if if you teach him this kid how to run routes, I, I put him in my mock draft. He's remarkably gifted, and he's a one year wonder, which is its own question. If you can actually get this kid to learn routes and actually mix up how he runs them, he could be really good. Uh, he's probably a project from that standpoint, but no, the offense ain't the problem. They they run a they run pro style routes. They they do a lot of things that you could easily see happen in the NFL, and he gets no separation. And the thing is, when you're drafting somebody at this point now in the state of football, and Pete, obviously you coach high school, the pill is thrown all over the place. If you're not running routes by this point, usually the content is you're just not going to be able to run the routes. It doesn't matter all the athleticism in the world. If you can't run the routes, you just cannot run the routes. Guys, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, Locked on NFL Net, all the NFL shows and the stuff from the host funneled through both those accounts. So if you're not following on Instagram or on Twitter, Locked on NFL Net, go ahead and take care of that for me now. Now, Pete, uh, I didn't actually put you, tag you in this one, but uh, this question came, and this is actually Matthew Darcy again, and this is another good one. Um, (laughs) Maybe he knew, maybe he didn't. Um, Assuming Ed Oliver is not available at pick 17, Andre Dillard at 17, uh, and this is keeping in, guys, look, we keep stressing this, keep in mind that there could be a stoppage, yes, in two years. So you figure for right now, there is a two-year window. Andre Dillard at 17, he's there. I mean, obviously, Ed Oliver is the only other name mentioned here, but we've gone over this, Pete. He's a viable candidate for 17. Right. Um, he's got the athletic traits to be an elite tackle. Um, height, uh, his movement skills are fantastic. Uh, he, he knows how to use his body, and he's he's proven it in terms of pass protection. And you go to an event like the Combine, and he's, he's driving people off the ball. He's, in terms of, if you're looking at what the, the Green Bay Packers look for in offensive linemen, the past several years, the way the Chiefs evaluate offensive evaluated offensive linemen when when Dorsey was there, he has all those earmarks 
of a guy that they would enjoy, and they have a guy in James Camp in the offensive line coach who would love to get a guy like Andre Dillard. Uh, and certainly, I think, you know, I, I think if the Browns had their way, they would love to get him a mid-round guy. Uh, he's had a lot of success with that. You know, getting guys like David Bakhtiari, who may well end up in the Hall of Fame, J.C. Treader, first with the Packers, now with the Browns, uh, Corey Lindsley from Ohio State, be a successful center. Um, they did have, you know, first-round picks. It's not as if they only did it that way. Uh, they had uh, – with yeah, they were Brian Bulaga. Um, yep. They, they, you know – if, if the pick's there, they'll take it. And, you know, there's going to be a financial decision to come with this offensive line. They're paying five offensive linemen right now. This may be another reason the Zeitler stuff has come up, but Chris Hubbard's making $7.3 million. Uh, Greg Robinson is making $7 million. They could escalate to nine. He's on a one-year deal. If he plays great, they're probably not going to be able to afford him, short of tagging him. Uh and, you know, Chris Hubbard, to me, is a mediocre to average tackle who's making a good chunk of money. Uh, and after next year, he could easily be gotten rid of. So, you know, if if they're looking at this and going, we don't want to be caught without a guy there, and Andre Dill is sitting there at 17, they could absolutely grab him and, and get him basically prepped uh, to take one of those jobs. Or he may just take it uh, over the course of the season because he's a terrific player and then they can, you know, make the decision to let a Greg Robinson go or let uh, Chris Hubbard go and plug this guy in and not miss a step. And when you have a guy like Baker Mayfield and you're saying, this is the franchise, this is the investment. These are the type of things you do to make sure uh, it stays that way. Doesn't again, does not need to be in the first round, but if it's sitting there and there's a great opportunity, I would not be surprised at all. Uh, yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I, Andre Dillard, uh, he's probably one of the best tackles in this class. He's um, number one. Yeah. Taylor, Taylor's got a lot of work to do in his pro day to beat that. I would say, yeah, if we're going to go on the athleticism, there's no doubt about that. And even still, the pro day is always going to come with that nice, lovely asterisk next to it. Um, obviously, free agency would tell some tales. Uh, you know, you got to tell me you did something for this defense or you did some yeoman work for this defense before you're going to focus on the offense at 17. So for me, yeah, if you can show me you've done some damage here and you know gotten this defense on par with the offense, which is weird after 17, but in 18, this was the case. Yeah, I mean, I'd be comfortable with the selection. There's no doubt about the player, and I think he's a guy who's just going to kind of hit the ground running. We do have one late entry here from my buddy Dale Harris, Pete. C.J. Mosley, Jordan Hicks, uh, obviously a linebacker needs to be added. Which one would be your priority? I don't know C.J. Mosley is going to necessarily get out of Baltimore, although I will chuckle today over extending a wide receiver for three years at $18 million whose career high in receiving is 215 yards. Interesting move, Baltimore. But C.J. Mosley, Hicks, obviously, available linebackers. Well, the, you know, the, the, the signing makes me wonder if they're, they're basically saying, look, We've got who we got. He he can't throw much. We got to block our asses off for him. So we we signed our our sweet blocking tight end to make sure that that happened. I, I don't know. And if you're going to continue to do that, how long do you think he's going to stay healthy? 
I hope they draft a, cu- a couple other dudes. Um, but did yeah, you, the linebackers. Did you, did you catch that mock draft from Luke Easterling today? By the way, he went no. to the uh, draft network and he did a he did a Ravens full mock and took a tight all, end all in every spot. End. Yeah, I was dying. It was good. That's a good tweet right there. I appreciate those. Um, yeah, they did draft two tight ends last year. Um, and, and they still have they, they still have Max Williams. Yeah. Um, so look, if you can get C.J. Mosley certainly you're going to take every opportunity. Now, having said that, he, he, look, if he was, if, if, if the money was reasonable, he'd be resigned right now. You get to free agency, you're paying a premium. Um, Jordan Hicks is a fantastic football player, uh, would be a great fit for what the Browns need. He's a good will linebacker. He's good in coverage. He has had an unbelievably bad run of injuries. Um, when he's similar on the field, to Jason Treader, similar to Kevin Johnson, some names that are being mantied around here. Yeah, he's one of those guys. So, you know, it's a question: what is what is what is he looking for? Is he open to getting a one-year deal? Is he going for a couple years? You know, what is what does that cap figure look like? Because um, he absolutely- may you you're going to need an insurance policy if you sign Hicks. Absolutely. Like, you can't sign Hicks and go, okay, we're good. Like, you basically have to approach – like, you have to approach it like when I was suggesting, you know, signing Tyler Eifert or if the Browns signed Kevin Johnson. You are taking these guys to get, you know, whatever they give you is largely a bonus. That does not mean that Jordan Hicks would not start for you. It's just you better have a a guy in the draft or somewhere else to take the load off. Now, the problem is – I don't know if the Browns will even pursue this, you know, unless they can do something insane like they do trade Zeitler and then they find a way to also trade or or just release Chris Kirksey. I have a really difficult time seeing that much money sit on the bench. Uh, look, I, I understand how good these players are, and certainly I would love it, but I'm still – of the belief that we're going to see one more year and hopefully with better coaching that it will be a much better year uh, of Chris Kirksey next to Joe Schobert. I, you know, look, he's going to, he's going to at least get the opportunity. Um, if there's a day three guy who comes in and he's behind him and by week five or week six starts eating into that rep count. I, I, I do agree with you. Um, I mean, and guys we will know clearer and better within the next two to three weeks, obviously with trades and with free agency. Um, we'll go with this one. Now, Pete, now Kevin Johnson is coming in tomorrow. And we've talked about this. And actually, it's interesting because, I mean, you know, Pete, you know, four years ago, we didn't talk like we do now. Kevin Johnson was a guy I liked. And obviously, Kevin Johnson was a guy I liked. His resume right now, it, it's bad. I mean, everybody views him the same way. Uh, you know, always injured, always hurt. Um, but you look at him and you look at, you know, the Greg Robinson. You look at the Brashard Paraman. If you're going to gamble, and, and look, this isn't going to be a big gamble, guys. It's going to be some money up front, and then it's going to be, hey, it's all on you. However many you games pl- games you play is what you're going to make. But I, 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 we, we've talked about this. both. These, if you're going to gamble, gamble on a guy who was a first-round pick. Right. I mean, he fits the track record, obviously. Uh, you know, former first-round pick, obviously a very talented player. Uh, but similar to Brashad Perryman, had injuries that sort of derailed him at his former team uh, that, you know, you might come into a situation where either he gets lucky or the flip side of that is because they don't need him to come in and start. 
they can manage him more. And, you know, maybe that's part of the issue that sort of helps him where they don't need him to come in and play 100% of the snaps or they don't need him to practice, you know, a thousand reps. They can sort of manage his health and hopefully get him to a point where he's in better shape. Some of his injuries are just physics and bad luck. It's not like he's had a whole bunch of knee injuries where you were, you know. Yep. What's he held together by at this point? Yeah, it's not It's not like a, I don't think anyway, it's not like a degenerative condition where it's just going to be, you're running out the clock on this guy's knees. But yeah, I mean, you, you can't, you, this is where you can sort of use your, your salary cap as a weapon and basically say, we give you a couple million dollars up front, obviously. John Dorsey's got a hell of a sales pitch by looking at the guys that, you know, they brought in last year and the success that they've had. But I, you know, I, I do think this becomes smart situation where you, you don't run him into the ground and that may be what ultimately helps him become, you know, hopefully at least a productive player, if not reclaiming sort of what he was expected to be coming out uh, in that draft class for the Houston Texans. Former number 19 pick overall. Um, but this is, you know, give him, you, you get him in, you give him a shot. And, you know, maybe you say, all right, you know, and, and then you can maybe Denzel Ward, you know, you, you can go two bigger corners on the outside, have Denzel, you know, chase down somebody that some of these other guys can't. I mean, it gives you mix and match possibilities. It, it's it's an interesting guy to pursue. And look, I mean, if, if Greg Robinson worked out, Rashard Perriman worked out, you know, as a you know, as a front office guy, you continue to try to pursue those types. You know, hey, maybe our situation is a little different than situations they've been in. Maybe this gives them a better chance of success. Uh, Pete, uh, you're headed off here to the coaches' clinic here this weekend. What did we learn this weekend? Anything good? Uh, we shall see. It's not like I have to make a big trip. It's just up to uh, the the famous Aurora Glacier Clinic, where uh, you know, a couple a couple of years ago. Uh, Greg Williams announced that short of being in jail, uh, Miles Garrett was going to be the first pick overall. So we'll see if we get anything along those lines. I doubt it, but it's always fun to do that type of stuff. Uh, it's always interesting to see what guys are, are talking about, the ones who are at least willing to talk about things. Uh, and Not you sitting down explaining four verts to you? Yeah, or, or uh, well, if he wants to show up, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> but, you know, where you get, you know, 17 speeches about culture and stuff, which is certainly important and and certainly you want to uh you know learn as much as you can about that stuff but at the same time it's fascinating how many guys are are afraid to sort of put plays on the board because as much as it is about culture and as much as it is about all this other stuff they don't want their scheme to get out no 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 yeah and i get this for you nobody's really spinning the wheel and look um you don't want to put it on a board, but, uh, you know, the film in high school is pretty much out there, so you can find that as well. Uh, guys, Reed P's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Like I said, just did an updated mock draft post-combine. Uh, go ahead, follow the show at Lockdown Browns. Guys, anything, you know, keep sending in the DMs over there. If there's nothing you want to put out, and look, I understand the way Twitter works. It gets to be an absolute crap fest. Something you want to ask? Send a DM to Lockdown Browns account. I have no problem returning them. Uh, you know, we, I get more and more a, as it goes on. It's fine. I have no problem answering that. Uh, you know, and look, I, I keep telling you, and we've had to do this. You know, you know, 
I usually don't enjoy blocking people on Twitter, but you get to the point here with some of these guys, and some folks just get an absolute hard-on for you, and there's 62 burner accounts. I just don't have the time for it. I just don't, and so they're just going to continue to get kicked to the curb. But you got something you want to ask? By all means, you don't want to put it on a timeline? Go ahead and send a direct message over to Locked On Browns. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, guys, uh, I appreciate everything to support here with the show. We are off to yet another phenomenal month here. And you know, like me and Pete, when we are on together, we tell you, this is stuff we can talk about more because we have the knowledge, whether it's the draft, whether it's free. This is, you know, we can give you our input on this and give you our input whether or not the Browns, whatever decision, whether it correlates or not, that, you know, we'll see how that comes. I mean, obviously last year with the draft, you know, Pete was high on Avery. Pete was very high on Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, you know, Denzel Ward, you know, four maybe was a little nervous, but we thought Denzel Ward was going to be a really good player. Uh, but this is stuff where we can give you our, our input here. And, it, you know, I don't want to say it has weight, but it, it comes with a lot of hard work and time that we've put into giving you our takes and our input into this scenario. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.